Well, welcome to FBC. My name is Joe Andrews, not the senior pastor. So if you're, uh, if you're a guest here, just know I'm not the guy you have to listen to every single week, just the guy you have to listen to this week, all right? So glad to be here with you. Uh, love preaching. Uh, my name is Joseph Andrews, but a lot of people think my last name is Campus Pastor because I guess I always say Joe Andrews, Campus Pastor. Andrews is not my middle name. Uh, Patrick is my middle name. I just thought I would just, for whoever of you out there that doesn't know me, I just thought I'd give you guys just a little little bit extra info uh, into who I am. And so uh, Joe Andrews, campus pastor, that's me. Um, uh, I, I, love, I love preaching. I love getting to do this. Uh, I've been married uh, now for almost 20 years. In May, on May 1st, it's going to be 20 years. So we're working on that. Pretty exciting. Uh, in, in that time, uh, we have had four kids, Parker, London, Jack, and Hallie. Uh, best kids ever, love them to death. Uh, not as good as your kids, obviously. Uh, but we, we love our kids, love to get uh, time with them. Uh, just a little bit more about me. Um, you would never know it by just listening to me, but I've actually, uh, I was actually a missionary in Argentina. I hardly ever mention that. Uh, so if you know me, you know that's not true. Um, it was just part of my life. So again, it's talked about a lot. Um, I am the kind of guy that like when I start talking, I just like to stop talking. I don't like to keep going on and on and on. If you know me, uh, you know that's a lie as well. Um, <laughs> I went to seminary at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary in Memphis, Tennessee. I loved uh, my experience there. It was awesome. It was culture shock. It was everything uh, that I was hoping it could be. But my first class in seminary was taught by the founder of the seminary. His name was Dr. B. Gray Allison. Now, he never said his first name because later I found out his first name was Beverly. Had I found that out in class, I would have said, uh, Dr. Beverly. No, I wouldn't have ever done that. He was the founder of the seminary. You can't do that. Uh, he looked like a bulldog, uh, but he had, he had the heart uh, of just a wonderful follower of Christ. And uh, he was up there teaching one of those first classes that I ever had. And there was a desk in front of the class and he wouldn't sit behind it, but he would lean up up against it and kind of put his hands on it like this. And uh, the class was called Personal Evangelism, which if you're from the South, is a class on soul winning, all right? That's what they call it there. In the South, you're winning souls for Jesus, all right? And that's what that class was all about. It was trying to teach us how to take the gospel and how to share it with people out there. It was kind of a hard class because every time I stepped foot in that class, I would be quizzed on like three to five Bible passages that we would have had to memorize like the night before. I mean, so it was intense. Uh, but as we were in that class, he would sit there on that desk, kind of lean back, and he would just name countries and tell us how lost they were. And I guess by the inflection of his voice, you could tell if they were just like mildly lost in that country or if they're really lost. And so I know you guys appreciate a good impression. So uh, he would be over there on the sitting, kind of sitting on the desk, and he would say, China, lost. And like the first time I'm hearing this, I'm like, oh, all right. And then he just went to the next country, India, lost, Bhutan, lost, Afghanistan, lost, Djibouti, lost. He never said Djibouti. I just got to say that from stage. It got to the point at the end of the semester where we're like, I think he's making up country names. He's gone through all of them. <laughs> He's like, Fantasia, lost. I'm like, hold on, Dr. Beverly. Uh, Caucasia, 
lost. I was like, Caucasian, I think that's my home country. I'm Caucasian. (laughs) (sighs) That whole class was about him trying to relate to us how important it was to go out into the world and reach people who just don't know Jesus yet. He was trying to communicate that passion that he had for the lost all over the world to we seminary students, and and it took for some of us. I mean, I became a missionary not only because of him, but definitely he was part in that chain of uh, getting us to the field and thinking about lost people uh, everywhere else. He had such a passion for lost people. I wonder if we have that same passion. I know that Paul in Scripture had that same passion. He knew that there was just this lost world out there, that if they didn't hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, they wouldn't be saved. And it motivated everything that he did. It motivated him to go on three missionary journeys. You can read about these in the book of Acts uh, that that lasted years at a time. Uh, He went out one time in the third missionary journey. He spent three years in the city of Ephesus, three years there. If you could imagine getting to know the people for that long, you could speak into their lives. You would know everything about the city and everything else. On the second missionary journey, he spent a year and a half in the city of Corinth. And we're going to talk a little about Corinth because we're going to be in the letter to the Corinthians here in a few minutes. But in the city of Corinth, what he would do really when he went to most cities, would he, he would start teaching in the synagogue. The synagogue was like the Jewish hub for all Jewish activity in this Roman world. But it was also the place where they would gather to hear the word of God and they would worship that way. And so... He thought, well, why don't I just start there? Because they're already listening to the word of God. All they need to know is that that word of God, that scripture points to Jesus. And so he started there almost everywhere he went. But in Corinth, man, he hit a roadblock. Those Jews did not want him to preach anything about Jesus to them. So he finally just kind of infuriated is like, that's it. I'm not going to waste my time with the Jews in this city anymore. I'm going to the Gentiles. And it's in Corinth that he meets Priscilla and Aquila. And he begins to have a relationship with them. They later become leaders in the church. It's there in Corinth where he leads a synagogue leader to the Lord and his neighbor. All right. And it's there that we read that many, many, many people came to know Jesus because of what Paul did, and they were baptized in Corinth. It's a pretty amazing story. You can go into the book of Acts and you can read uh, all about it. But Paul was always wanting to reach people. That's, that's really what motivated him. And he wanted to win more of them. He wanted to see more of them get to Jesus. And that's exactly what he always did. He was in it to win them. He was in it to win them, which is the title of the message today. All Paul wanted to do was win people to Jesus so that they could be with him in eternity and so that he could be with Jesus and them in eternity. So really, I kind of want to spoil everything that I'm going to get to today for you uh, by telling you the end of where we're going and I'll kind of take you on a little journey to get there. But this is what you need to know today. You need to do every single thing you can to get more people to Jesus. You need to do every single thing that you can to get more people to Jesus. And as we go through this, you're hopefully going to see that exact thing kind of playing out uh, in your life. And uh, before I get there, I want you to know that Paul wrote four letters uh, to the Corinthians. 
uh, four letters. We have two of those letters. We kind of maybe have three, depending on how you look at it. Second Corinthians is sometimes divided up into two letters, and that would be the third and the fourth letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. The second letter that he wrote to him would be our first Corinthians, and we don't know what happened to it, but he wrote a first letter to them. I don't know. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. You write this nice letter. You forget to put a stamp on it, throw it in the mailbox. doesn't get to where it's going, and uh, you have no idea. I don't know why we don't have it. It got lost somewhere along the way, but he's, he knows these Corinthians. He spent a year and a half with them, and so he writes them, and he tells them exactly what they need to hear throughout that whole uh, letter. Um, the other thing you need to know is at the very end of uh, his third missionary journey, it's, it's at the very end of Acts, Acts 21. Paul goes on his third missionary journey and he decides, I'm going to circle back to Jerusalem because I want to go to Jerusalem and I want to tell James, the brother of Jesus, who's leading the church at Jerusalem, I want to tell him everything that God is doing, but also the other elders that are leading the church there. And so he goes back to Jerusalem and story by story, event after event, happening after happening, town after town, village after village, he shares with them every single thing that God has been doing in, the third, in his third missionary journey. And uh, James at some point just kind of stops him and he says, all right, Paul, since you've been doing all that, there's been some people talking about you here. And Paul's like, all right, what, what are people saying? And James says, well, what they're saying is that when you go out there into these Gentile lands, what you have to know is that Jews saw things, uh, saw people in two categories, either you were Jewish or you were not. You were Greek or you were Gentile. They would have a whole bunch of different names, but either you were, you were Jew or you weren't. And so he's saying, all right, so the people, they know that you go out there into these Gentile lands and that every now and then you encounter some Jew that's living out there and you tell them that the law isn't as important as we're saying it is here. And Paul's like, yeah, I, I'm, I preach Jesus and him alone out there. That's what I do. And James is like, well, but when you come here, there's a problem with a lot of, that, that a lot of people have. Some people here are Jews and they've believed in Christ. Other people are just Jews and maybe they're on the brink of believing in Christ. But then they hear out there, you're telling people that the law doesn't matter. And so what it does is it, it kind of distances them from coming to the Lord. But we don't want to distance people who want to come to the Lord, Paul. So we have come up with a solution for you. And Paul's like, I'm, I'm all ears. What, what do you need me to do? And they say, all we need you to do is take a bath and shave your head. And Paul's like, okay, well, let me kind of fill you in with the backstory there. There was four men uh, in Jerusalem that were about to go and they were going to make a vow with God. And to make that vow with God, they had to purify their bodies and they had to shave their heads as part of that vow. It was probably a Nazarite vow from the uh, Hebrew scriptures. Uh, but what you need to know is, is these four men were about to do that. And James says, why don't you, Paul, get in on that vow with those guys? And Paul says, okay, I can do that. So we have Paul who out in the Gentile world is reaching Jews. And when he reaches them, he's saying, don't, don't worry about the law so much. Just worry about Jesus. Just put your faith in him and walk according to his ways. But then you have him coming back into Jerusalem and he's totally different. To reach the people in Jerusalem, he kind of puts himself under these laws that were respected by the community. And James says, if you just do that, I think it will help a lot of people here in Jerusalem 
come to know the Lord. And so Paul decides, all right, if that's what I need to do, that's what I can do. What I want you to see first as we get into 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23 is that Paul was an obligated man with zero obligations. Paul was an obligated man with zero obligations. Let's go ahead and look at verse uh, 19 right here. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23 says this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. What Paul is saying is, uh, remember, he's writing, this is the letter to the Corinthians. He's saying, listen, I'm free from everything and everyone. Well, why is he free from everything and from everyone? Well, one, Christ has set him free. Set him free from the law. He set him free from sin. He set him free from everything. And so Paul is free in that sense, but he's also free in another sense. He's also free in the sense that no one was bankrolling everything that Paul did. He didn't have to answer to someone for anything that he was saying or anything that he was doing. He had zero obligations. He's like, I'm free from everybody. But he says, for though I am free from everyone, he says, I have made myself a servant to all. That word servant right there is actually the word slave. It's the common word for slave. He's saying, I'm free from everybody, but I've made myself a slave to everyone. Why would Paul, who is free from everyone and everything, make himself a slave to everyone? Why would he use his freedom to become a slave? The answer is in that last little line there that I might win more of them. More of who? Who is he trying to win more of? Well, he's trying to win more of everyone. All of the people that he was set free from and not bound to, and all of the people he has decided to become a slave to, that is who he wants to reach. He wants to reach more of Everyone. Paul was always about reaching more of everyone. You saw that word win up there? That word win is actually means to gain, to get somebody to your side. Now, it's not exactly to win a game, but to, to win somebody to your team, to win someone to Jesus. All right? And that's exactly what Paul wanted to do. He wanted to get that person to Jesus. That's what he means by winning them. So he's like, okay. I could, though I'm set free from everyone, I could go and I could reach people in that freedom. But maybe I wouldn't reach as many people with that freedom as I would as as if I made myself a slave to everyone. And he thought, by making myself a slave to everyone, I will be able to win more people to Christ. Listen, Paul always wanted to win more people for Christ. In his estimation, he thought, if I make myself a slave to everyone, I will win more people than if I don't make myself a slave to everyone. And he wanted to reach more. He wanted to reach more people in Ephesus. He wanted to reach more people in Corinth. It wasn't that he just wanted to reach people in those places. He wanted to reach more people. He was always in it for more more, more, more. I don't know if you know anything about First Baptist Las Cruces, but we've adopted this. All we want to do is reach more. We don't want to reach some. 
We want to reach more. And if there's some strategy that was working and it's reaching some people, and then there's another strategy that comes along and we think, you know what? This strategy can win more. And guess what we're doing with this strategy? We're kicking it to the curb so that we can adopt this one that can win more. Don't kid yourselves. Numbers matter in ministry. Why? Because each number is a person who could hear and accept the call of Christ to come and to be saved. Paul knew that. He always, always, always pushed for more. And that's why we do the things that we do. We do craft fairs. We do the bash. We do all of these different events. All of the events that we do are to reach more people for him. We're building phase two. You know why? So that we can reach more people than fit into this room through four services. We're not content with this. We want more. Not so we could say we have a big church. So that we can win more people to Jesus. Just like Paul always wanted to do. It's our strategy. Next thing I want you to see is that Paul was a cultural chameleon. Uh, that's probably the worst slide I've ever put up here. I was like, it sounds so close to karma chameleon. And Paul, Paul wasn't a karma chameleon from the 80s. Uh, he was a cultural chameleon. I don't like the slide, but it, it gets across exactly what I think needs to come across in these next verses. Paul did everything that he could to blend in and to become like the people he wanted to reach. Let's go to verse 20. He says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew, all right? So to the Jews, I became as a Jew. Now, we know that he is a Jew, but he's probably talking about some of those people that he was encountering out there among the Gentiles, people who were culturally Jewish, but maybe their fart, their, their, <laughs> wow, their hearts were far <laughs> from God. I'm glad I caught that way quicker than you guys did. I don't know how I'm getting this back on track. They were just cultural Jews. Their hearts were maybe far from God. And, and Paul is saying, well, I mean, I'm like Jew of Jews. We've, we've seen him quote that uh, before. And he, he says, you know what? I'll become like a cultural Jew so that I can win Jews. Why does he do it? In order to win Jews. And then he says, to those under the law, I became as one under the law. All right, so you had the Jews that maybe were just kind of cultural Jews, but then you had the Jews that were just under the law. They, they, all they wanted to do was complete uh, the law of God given to Moses, all right, by God. And that's all they cared about. And Paul says, well, if I want to win people who are under the law, what I need to do is I need to become one of them. And so he says, I became one of them. That word win, we've seen it twice now. We're going to see it three more times as we go through this. Uh, it's a really important word in here. And just when you think Paul's going to use it again at the end of this passage, he changes the word on us. And he also changes something else. He says, he keeps saying, I became. I became as a Jew. I became as one under the law. We're going to see more of those in a minute. He's using a tense in Greek that is kind of, it's just something that happened in the past. As we get towards the end of this passage, though, we see that he switches that around as well because he's trying to communicate something a little different. But he says, to those under the law, I became as one under the law. And he makes it clear. I am not under the law, 
myself. We just heard him say he's free from everything, right? Free from everyone. Why would he do that? Why did he become like those who are under the law? Right there, that I might win those under the law. Does this remind you of that story that I told in the beginning? When he's out there and he's encountering people in different places with different worldviews, he adjusts who he is and he becomes as they are in order that he can reach some of them. We're going to keep going on this. Verse 21 says this, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. He's saying, he's saying to those who aren't even Jewish and are outside the law, idol worshipers, people in other countries, atheists, whatever they were, he would become as them, as one outside the law. And then he makes clear yet again, I'm not outside of the law of God, but I'm under the law of Christ. Why would he become as someone who wasn't even Jewish and as someone who doesn't even respect God and his law? He says it right there at the end again, that I might win those outside the law. Let's go to the next verse. To the weak I became weak, and I bet right when I said the word weak, you thought of David Burroughs. That's not, uh, that's not cool of you. Uh, that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about, spir- it's not talking about physical weakness, all right? He's already addressed this. This is spiritual weakness. And Paul is saying, listen, when, when I'm around somebody who's spiritually weak, I become as they are so that, why? He might win the weak. So do you see that every single little thing that Paul was doing was so that he could win more people? He would become, he wouldn't become them, okay? If he was trying to reach an idol worshiper, he wouldn't become an idol worshiper, but he would become as them. And we'll talk about what that means a little more here in a minute. I know uh, I've never mentioned it before, but I was a missionary in Argentina. uh, And uh, I was was there for seven years. And the Lord called us to the Andes Mountains uh, to reach these high mountain people that are, that are short, that are they, a lot of gauchos. A gaucho is just like these hardened, rough mountain men that ride on horses. I mean, it's like, it's like an Argentine cowboy. Uh, and uh, you're looking at me and you're like, well, God sure made a mistake sending you to reach them. And you'd be right, except I wanted to become as they were so that I could reach them. Here's a picture of uh, me with uh, a couple that, uh, that I worked with. Uh, this is one of the last pictures that I took um, in Argentina, one of the last trips that I made uh, to Argentina. You can see that I didn't become short to reach shorter people. Uh, I just stayed my same height. Um, but... When I pulled up to this high mountain village, it's probably 15,000 feet uh, high, and I get there, and it's, it's in the middle of summer, but it's snowing, we're so high, and we get there, and all of these people are gathered around this rock wall, and I'm like, what's going on? And somebody in the car next to me says, well, they're castrating llamas, and I was like, what? I didn't, wasn't expecting you to say that. What do you, what do you mean? And they're like, yeah, that's, that's what they're doing. And I know you were probably hoping not to hear that when you came to church today, but I ruined that for you. Um, and so I thought, they're, okay, if they're doing that, then I'm going to get in there with them. Do you know why? Because I wanted to win them and I have to identify with them to win them. So whatever they're doing, if they're castrating llamas, then I'm going to become a llama castrator with them. 
if they think spiritually different than I do, I'm going to try to adjust my thinking to think like them in order that I might win some. It's so important. It was so important in Paul's ministry, and it's so important in my ministry up there. It's so important in my ministry here, and it's important in your lives here and now as well. Next thing I want you to see is that Paul did whatever it would take to reach people. He did whatever it would take. If it wasn't sin, he would do it in order that he might win some people. So we go to one of the most popular verses in scripture. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Paul says, I have become, and this is where he switches that verb tense. It's not a thing that happened a long time ago. It's a thing that happened a long time ago that has an impact into the future. It's called the perfect tense. He says, not I became, but I have become. This is the new me. I have become someone who is becoming all things in order that I might reach some. Who does he want to reach? He wants to reach anyone that he can with the gospel. And no matter what they are, or what they look like, or what their beliefs are, what their worldview is, he will become what he can become so that they can know Jesus, so that they can be saved. Paul also knows that not all people are going to come to the Lord. He knows that not everyone that he takes the message to is going to be saved. It's in order that he might reach some. He's always pushing for more, but he knows that ultimately it's not going to be every single person. And then we get to verse 23, and I love verse 23. It kind of wraps everything up for us, and I think it has just something really special in here for us as well. This is what he says in verse 23. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Everything that I do, everything that I become, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. And you're thinking, well, usually when we do something for the sake of something, it's usually not a something, it's a someone. I'm doing this for the sake of that person. Paul says, no, 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 I'm doing this for the sake of the gospel. Why would Paul do something for the sake of the gospel? What he's trying to get at is something that you probably already know, but we don't say very much, is that the gospel doesn't get up and the gospel doesn't go to another country and the gospel doesn't adapt itself so that more people can understand it and the gospel doesn't go from country to country and village to village. Do you know why? Because the gospel needs legs. And Paul was doing all of this for the gospel's sake because the gospel isn't going to do it alone. Paul takes that gospel message everywhere that he goes so that they can know and follow Jesus, so that he can reach more of them. And that's exactly what he did. I was kind of thinking about this message in the last two weeks I was thinking about how I can make this message as portable as I can for you. Portable just meaning that you can actually think about what we talked about and you could say it and maybe live by it for the rest of your lives. I know that's a pretty tall order, but I, I think I narrowed everything down in a way that you can just really kind of grasp it and understand it and take it with you and make it a part of your lives. So I came up with this. Think like the people that you want to reach. Think like the people that you want to reach. That's exactly what Paul did. 
He thought like the people that he wanted to reach. That's how he became as one of them. He says, how do they think? Then I'm going to start thinking like that so I can think of ways to connect that person with Jesus. And that's what he did. So what I hope for you is that you would do this. This is my prayer for you. That If you have a mechanic friend that's across the street, maybe you're not a mechanic. You're like, okay, well, how do I even talk to this guy? Because every time I go over, I, I swear I can't understand anything he wants to talk about. Well, get on YouTube and watch something. So you can go over there and ask him a question or ask him a question about your car, but begin to think like a mechanic in order to reach a mechanic. Watch that YouTube video and go ask him, hey, I have a problem with the specs on my rotary girder. I don't know what, I don't know, I'm not a mechanic, so I don't know that language. But do what you can. What about the atheist? Begin to think like an atheist to reach the atheist and, and just multiply that for, through all of the people that you want to reach in your life. I want to leave you with these two questions real quickly. Are you doing everything you can to get people to Jesus? Probably or not. As I was going through this, I'm like, man, I'm not doing everything I can to get more people to Jesus all the time. And so it's become a new thing for me as well. The other thing I want to ask is, are you being everything you need to be to get more people to Jesus? Are you being everything that you need to be to win more people to Jesus? I hope you are. I don't know exactly where you are in your life. Probably most of you are already following Christ. I'm sure that there's some of you who aren't. Those of you who are already following Jesus, take this, those questions and apply those to your life. Begin to think like the people that you want to reach. And to those of you who are not believers who are here, get to Jesus now as quickly as you can come to Jesus. And this church will be a church, I promise you, that will think like you think, that will do whatever we can to become as you are in order to reach you and people like you. I don't know what you're looking for in a church. If you just need prayer for something in a moment, we'll have some pastors here and some women here. If you need prayer, you can come up for prayer. If you just want to join the church, you can do that. If you're thinking about, man, I'm not doing everything that I can, we can pray with you. Whatever you need, you can do during this response time. But please, please think like the people you want to reach. Dear God, we thank you so very much for exactly who you are. We thank you for Paul. What an amazing man he was. We thank you for the fact that he did everything he could to become all things to all people in order that he could win people. God, help us be all about more. If we're not reaching many people right now, God, help us reach more. If we're not reaching any, help us reach more. In our personal lives and in our church, God, we just want to be people who put your word out there so the people can know you. Help us think like the people we want to reach. In Jesus' name.